Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I have with me my guest, Steve Turner. Let me tell you all about Steve. So he, Steve is the COO of Beyond Resilience, LLC, and president of Flow Solution, Business Solutions. He has an opportunity to enhance the effective, effectiveness of business leadership throughout any organization because people are the common thread. Steve graduated from the University of Wisconsin with a degree in business admin. This, along with his appreciation and respect for where he was on the management team at UPS, a fellow UPS, sir, he has now launched his business career on a leadership journey of success. Steve has a proven 34 management career with UPS. He provided leadership in the diverse environments of operations, finance, and accounting, and technology at the district level, region level, and corporate level. This included five years in Europe at the beginning of the UPS global expansion, where he was the finance director with responsibilities in 10 countries. No matter where he went, he experienced the same reality. Upon his return to the U.S., he moved to UPS Information Services, leading groups that designed, built, and developed UPS financial systems worldwide. Employees will follow those who care about them, train them for success, and appreciate who they are as individuals. His dedication to the individual's lives and the value they provided the business groups yielded such success in the positions as he held. He demonstrated the value of leading employees as opposed to managing them. Systems, processes, and procedures should be managed. Employees should be led. Steve Turner is my guest today. Steve, it's so wonderful to have a fellow UPS or I guess uh, ex-UPS or <laughs> I don't know. Have you retired? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, great. I took, uh, yep. I took what an early retirement and then moved into the entrepreneurial space. Yeah. Same as me. Yeah. When did you retire? 2007. Ah, so I don't think we crossed paths. But um, I retired 2018. Where where were you? I was at corporate my whole career. I but I led projects. Um, I 
the last project I was on uh, before I did a, a special uh, stint, if you will, in 2021, but I was on the FNA project to redesign uh, FNA, um, that team. And prior to that, I redid the talent system, uh, led okay. that project. And in 2001 through 2009, I was part of the teams that created the UPS store in US and Canada. Okay. Oh, very good. So, so I, I was on lots and lots of projects. All right. So we both have had a great career in management, but both of us, it seems, have been countered the fact that it really, for many, many years, it was management by uh, strong arm, loud mouth, or whatever you want to call it. Intimidation. Intimidation, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> and what I found, and it sounds like you did too, the more I brought in the human aspect, the the empathy of leadership, the more my teams would do anything that I asked and made such a difference. And so um, today you know, we're gonna talk about the overall solution to resolving employee disengagement, which I think comes whenever managers try to manage their people instead of right. lead them. So we always start with a really easy question and that is just tell everyone where you live. Okay, well, <clears throat> I live in New Hope, Pennsylvania which is north of Philadelphia, about 40 miles. Yeah, yeah. So I originally was from Pittsburgh, and I had an uncle oh. that lived in Drexel Hill, Philadelphia okay. area. Yeah, so I, I, en I ended up here after the, after the corporate tour. The corporate tour. And um, so how long have you, so you've been there for a while. Um, you toured all over the world, all over the uh, U.S. it sounds. What is your uh, top three places to visit anywhere? To visit or places I've lived? Well, you've lived there, but which ones mostly impressed you, either living or visiting? Okay, well, um, I love living in London. It was a great adventure. <clears throat> because I covered so many different countries, I, had, I did a lot of travel. Mm -hmm. uh, Greece is a great place to visit, and so is Italy. And um, I just, there's, there's something beautiful about almost every place you go. There's mm -hmm. something about the local environment, like the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Um, you know, Athens is a tremendous place. I spent many, many visits to Istanbul, Turkey. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're all, they're all fun places. Living wise, I love living in London. That's my number one spot, actually. Number one. Yeah. Yeah. So... What is your main focus now as you've gone on your journey through corporate life and entrepreneurship? What are you focusing on now? What's your current vision or mission? Well, my current vision and mission is to go back into the corporate world and uh, basically turn the leadership model upside down. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. And the way the way that works is uh, well, I came out of corporate America, and then went to the entrepreneurial space. We have an online legging store that my wife runs. Nice. And so many of the things I learned in the corporate world, which that's a really cool story, by the way. 
No, go ahead. Uh, we applied. We applied in the entrepreneurial space as well. So I can say that I've been on both sides of the fence. Yeah. And uh, the fact that I was uh, in Europe and covered the ten countries that I had. I had the Nordic countries, so mm-hmm. Finland, Sweden, Denmark, and Norway, and Austria, Belgium, the Netherlands, Greece, and Turkey, and Ireland. Oh. Those are my countries. And um, there are different cultures in each of those locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I learned something really valuable. I didn't realize it when I was over there. I learned, I realized it more when I got back into the coaching world. And that is that cultures vary, but hearts do not. That's true. People are the same all over. Mm-hmm. They're motivated by the same things. They want to be well-trained. They want to be appreciated. They want to have a future. Yeah. And they want to be treated as an individual instead of uh, just a cog in a wheel. Absolutely. So, you know, when we do those things, people will follow mm-hmm. because they like being on a, a journey of that nature. Yeah. So what is, what is the main issue that you think needs to be addressed and, and that you're aligning with your mission is is the purpose of all the training that you are going to impart upon all these corporations, right. hopefully. Huh? <laughs> so let me answer that question by telling you how I got started. Ah, because that would be awesome. The start is really the seed that created what we have today. <clears throat> so I was a part, you know all this because you were at UPS. So uh, we have part-time supervisors that run the hub, the hub operations and the uh, early morning package center operations. So I was a part-time supervisor. Mm-hmm. in Milwaukee, in the Elm Grove Hub. Um, and I started when I was 20 years old. Wow. So when I so I was <clears throat> I was an hourly person for a year and then mm-hmm. went into supervision. And one thing about starting at 20, the people that report to you are older than you are. Yeah. <laughs> because obviously they're college age people. So which isn't a big deal in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, who cares? But when you're 22 years old, you don't like a 20-year-old telling, you know, kind of like leading yeah, your life. Yeah, that's true. And so when I got started, um, I was still living at home. And my mom was working for a company you'd recognize if I told you who it was, but I don't want to throw them under the bus. Hopefully <laughs> what she told me and experience is different now. <laughs> but she would come, she'd come home and she would tell me what the management team was doing at that location. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my first taste of management was what not to do. Yeah. And then because I I accepted the fact that I was going to be on the young side of all of this. So I decided, well, I'm going to make this work by simply treating people the way I'd like to be treated. And it worked on day one and it has worked for 45 years thereafter. And that's really the start. And that's how what uh, I did there and have developed since then, came from that start. So to answer your question, the management style that is used in the United States, and probably, uh, I think it's it's more so in the US, it's a little easier in the international locations, but it's one of numbers. Yeah. And when the Industrial Revolution started in 1850 in the United States, and the farmers who ran their lives 100% came off the farm and into a, into the uh, factories and 
uh, people started telling them what to do. That was a huge change. Yeah. And as a result, the human element was never considered when it came time to run these businesses by numbers. So employees just naturally rebelled because we are created to to mm -hmm. uh, rule our lives, really. Yeah, right. Now, you know, when you first get started, you know, the first person you rule is yourself. But as you go up, you know, you get opportunities to do other things. But the success in all of that is relationships. It's not a two by four. Yeah. So when when the Industrial Revolution started in 1850, it only took six years before labor unions showed up, which was a reaction to not having the people element involved. Yeah. Well, when you roll on a few more years, in 1895, there was a guy named Frederick Winslow Taylor, who is recognized as probably being uh, the business's first industrial engineer. Mm. of which you and I are very familiar with industrial engineers. UPS is a tremendous uh, yeah. IE group. But his pronouncement was simply run businesses by numbers mm. only. So just hold people accountable to pound numbers. Well, yeah. that gets pretty brutal after a while. And yeah. unfortunately, generations tend to replicate themselves. Yeah. So the, the overall style of management that's existed in this country ever since then is largely the same. There are some variances, but mm -hmm. it's, the main, it's the main method. That's why there's a statistic that the Gallup organization has produced since, since 1990. Mm -hmm. And it says that 85% of employees are not fully engaged in their work. Yeah. So when you consider, and that number's been basically flat, for 33 years, which basically means nothing's been done to fix it. And unfortunately, uh, my experience is that that people don't know what to do to fix it. Mm -hmm. Now, there's there's people like me in the coaching world that when that number is is uh, announced every year, uh, some business leaders get excited for a couple months. <laughs> they send their management team on a seminar. Yeah. And I remember when empowerment was the buzzword of the season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so everybody goes to a seminar, they get indoctrinated for a few hours. But as soon as you come back to the status quo, that stuff is still over there. And it mm -hmm. doesn't, there's no application because there's no follow up. Mm -hmm. So as a result, it's just the same thing going over and over and over again. Now, yeah. why do we have the stagnation issue? The 85% thing is the fact that people are not led as individuals. Mm -hmm. So the the one of the, the neat things about UPS for me, and I, I have to tell you this because why am I different than everybody else or many of the other years? When I got started, UPS has a thing, and I, don't, I never saw it in writing, and I'm sure you didn't either, that says basically if you do well, you're left alone. Mm. I was left alone for 34 years. Oh, wow. I did my own thing for 34 years because it worked. There was no reason to come in and try to teach me how to do something because it was working. Mm -hmm. So I was left alone. Consequently, no matter where I went, I did my own thing and it worked. And that's why I know this is the way to go. Now, when you go in and listen to people like Dale Carnegie and uh, you know John Maxwell in this season, 
those are all good things. They're all good messages. And so I didn't reinvent the wheel by any means. I just did what I thought was right. And it turns out to be successful. Yes. So, um, I then came after I got done at UPS and I had an early retirement opportunity there because UPS had done a lot of acquisitions and had gotten top heavy. So those of us who were near the, uh, the 55 and out mm -hmm. date, uh, were given us some opportunities. If you want to leave early, you could leave early. So I did. And went into the entrepreneurial space after that and, uh, launched my wife's business. And I, I dabble in that, but I went into coaching then after we got that off the ground. And mm -hmm. I basically have been working with small business leaders, teaching uh, people how to, to uh, lead people. Mm. There's, a, there's a real interesting dynamic in all of this. And that is that when you hear, I'll give you the, the two ends of the poll here. When businesses first get started, you've got the, the entrepreneur, solopreneur, possibly, the business starts to grow and you add some people. The people and the owner work side by side with each other. Everybody's a good, happy team and things keep rolling along. Okay, if every business starts small, everyone, there isn't a single business that started with 500,000 employees. Exactly. So what happened? What happens from this unit here that's working well into these big organizations where you've got 85% of your people not fully engaged in your work? The process is that this, the scaling of a business has forgotten the employees. Mm -hmm. So when you scale a business, there is a natural tendency for the employees to be uh, left behind when it comes yeah. to the transition of scaling. Now, once you scale, you are continually scaling. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a one-off event. Yeah. It becomes a lifestyle. Yeah. Now, the employees that were first hired that were like this with the boss, with the owner, they start to become separated because the owner has to walk away and do other things, right? Now there's now there's more management people joining the group. When you get to about 50 employees, you're into your second level of management, not counting the owner. Yeah. These folks are not trained to lead people. Yeah. I was never trained to lead people at UPS. I was fortunate, got off to a good start, and basically, you know, I, I was left alone. But when you look at an organization, one of the hardest jobs in a business, particularly on a larger organization, is the frontline supervisor. Mm -hmm. Because when you take the CEO and the C-suite and that group and, you know, come up with the business plan for the year, basically, Increase revenue, reduce cost, increase profit, you know, all that stuff that's very real mm -hmm. and understandable because numbers tell you if you're successful or not. However, when the number message starts to flow down through the organization and all the middle managers get the message, everybody embraces the message and hands the message off and it moves down, down the management structure. Mm -hmm. Now it gets down to the frontline supervisor who has to take the number message and convert it into an inspirational message mm -hmm. to motivate the people that actually do the work yeah. and, and encourage them to do it willingly. That doesn't happen. Yeah. If the frontline supervisors aren't trained to relate to people, 
then they're going to give the people a number message. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't work. Yeah. And it starts the deterioration of the relationships between the management people and the employees that do the work. So the bigger the organization gets, the more it's subject. So you begin with the small business, everything's rosy, to the large organization where 85% are disengaged. Now, mm-hmm. the important thing here is that the lack of engagement leads to stagnation. Mm-hmm. Stagnation leads to turnover. Yeah. Now you've got the average, the turnover rate in the United States is 9.3%. Yeah. If the only people anybody would ever lose, and this is, I'm not saying this is the only way it ever works, but if it was only retirees, you'd have about a 2.2% turnover rate. All the rest is something else. Yeah. Employees leave managers, they don't leave companies. That's right. So this has to stop. Now, Mm -hmm. CEOs are sensitive to numbers, and they're probably not as close to the people. I think that's evident. Yeah. Right? So for the upper-level organization to get the message, to get the picture, is to understand how much it really costs to replace people. And unfortunately, the turnover rate, excuse me, turnover cost is not a line item on a balance sheet. Yeah, but it's it impacts it though. Yeah, it's spread all through the organization. Because yeah. when you lose people, your productivity drops, you may have to fill the job with overtime until you get somebody. It costs, it costs money to train somebody, to hire them and everything. And in fact, the average cost in the United States is $34,000 an employee. Now, how many times does a CEO want to waste $34,000? Yeah. But it happens. Every day. And if you have an organization mm-hmm. of 1,000 people, that organization will spend $3.2 million a year replacing people. Mm-hmm. And these are people who should never have been lost in the first place. Right. And it's all on the management style. So yeah. the long answer, that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> but... Um, I was, I woke up one morning to a direct, to some, uh, a direction given to me mm-hmm. to take what I had learned and go back to corporate America and teach people what I know. Yeah. And then I ran into somebody who's another person who was on the same journey and we compared our two what's going on in our lives and they, they come together like a picture, like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And that's where the beyond resilience comes from. Nice. That's a new company. I'm the COO. She's the CEO. And we're building this team to go back to corporate America to teach people how to lead people. Yeah. And that's the so, vision. Yeah. So, so similar to, to my story too, because, um, you know, my experience, although, I started in 1991 there, but um, that was not my first company. And so, and I was exposed for five five years to uh, franchising. And, Mm. and so when I came to UPS, 
my understanding was from a customer side, from a franchise side, from a corporate side, from my previous career with accounting. And, and all I saw was, especially whenever I was hiring people for UPS, were how we were really weren't looking at the people. It was almost, and, and it was just when technology was going to be introduced and, and, so we were looking for people that had skill sets and right. not looking at, are they a good fit from a character, from a values proposition, from, um, you know, people that were upperly mobile type of thing, you know, mm -hmm. that they were looking for a way to grow with us as opposed to just fill a seat. And for so long, all they were trying to do was fill a seat, but when I started, though, and because everybody was so new in Georgia here, uh, we had training constantly from skills to management level and things like that. So I got training to be a mm. leader and um, had mentors that as years went on and we became more public and driven more by the stock market which, you know, a lot of companies and listeners out there may appreciate yeah. this. That's when the numbers became more important than the people. So when you talked earlier about how um, you went to the seminars or the workshops and, and then came back and the everything you were taught or given kind of stayed back in that room. And that was when I did the the talent system, that was one of the things that we were grappling with as facilitators of that. So I led the project, but I also, I worked as a leader on the project, but I also was a facilitator of the training. And my biggest thing was that the people in the seats there were middle management or lower management, but if their bosses and their boss's boss didn't understand, didn't buy in, didn't promote what we were teaching, it would never fly. It would never go beyond that room, as you said. And that's got to change. Well, you know, that's exactly the problem with this particular issue. Yeah. It has to come from the top down. Mm -hmm. You can't come in from the side and expect it to bubble up. Yeah. It has to come from the top down. So when we uh, work with people, we start at the uh, at the CEO level, business owner, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. and then work through their organization because it has to go, it has to flow down through yeah. the organization. Because if it doesn't, you get exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's, and so what is um whenever you go in and you work with that CEO. I imagine it's not always a easy conversation to have because they know something's broke, but not always recognize that it's there. Uh, it's broke from their start, that starting point all the way down. So how do you approach that in a way that makes them see the problem without telling them that's the problem? Well, that's one of the reasons that um, we put the message out there yeah. and we have practically have to wait and let it fall on the ears of people that get it. 
Yeah. Because it's not a cold call issue. Right. You know, you can't reach out to a CEO and, and quiz them on this, that, or whatever. You have to put the message out there as um, this is <clears throat> this is a, a reality of what's happening. And I, we it's one of the reasons we focus on turnover, turnover yeah. costs, because that's a relatable topic. Mm-hmm. If I go in simply, and I'll just, I'll put it a little bit brash, but basically with the warm and fuzzy message, it won't go anywhere because yeah. there's no relationship to numbers. However, if we say this, we say that turnover cost is X and you can ask a question like, do you know what yours is? Because the fact there is no line item on the balance sheet that says it's turnover cost, you have to develop the number. Yeah, We happen to have a worksheet that does that. Nice. But you have to practically reveal the issue and then let them respond to the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we do. Now, we're building this company. So uh, we are more in the approach phase at this point. That's what happened with the small and medium-sized businesses. I mean, you're working with the CEO, to, uh, business owner to the start, mm-hmm. right? And they'll get it. Right. Yeah. So, but we do podcasts like this and we're going into the speaking circuit and, and looking for ways to spread the message. Yeah. But there's a couple of other factors as well that should catch attention. Number one, not in addition to the turnover cost piece is the unemployment rate. Yeah. The unemployment rate right now is about 3.8%. Now, when the economy is at 4%, in other words, higher, that's considered a full employment. So at a point in time, when you've got 96% of the people are working this 4% in the process of moving around, that's considered full employment. Mm-hmm. If your unemployment is lower than that, that even means there's less people available to fill yeah. jobs. So now, an organization that wants to grow They need people to support the growth. Mm -hmm. And it would be a whole lot better if you never lost the people you have to start with. Yeah, that you invested, you trained, you oriented. And there's there's an organization out there called Kern Ferry who does a lot of studies on the labor market. And they've said for the next three to five years, the only country in the world with an excess of people is India. Wow. Everybody else is going to run short. So it's a reality that in the foreseeable future, I'm saying three to five years, that finding replacement employees is going to be difficult. Right. So now consider this. If you had an organization and you were good to your people, you treated mm-hmm. them right, to the degree that the employees become a referral point for the business. Yeah. So now, this is how I got started at UPS. I was I was approached by actually the boyfriend of my girlfriend's sister. He, he told me, he says, why don't you come and work at UPS? I mean, instead of working where you are, come over here. Yeah. And I started, I went there and started the next day. That's That was how <laughs> quick that went. But... That you can't assume that that's going to going to happen. 
I mean, you have to, you, if your employees are actual referral points for you, you'll have people standing at the door wanting a job. Yeah. So finding people to support your growth is a whole lot easier. Yeah. If the, if the employees are motivated to be there, they're glad to be there, that when you consider that an employee spends eight to nine hours of their day with an organization, counting lunch and all that, that many times when, when employees are part of the 85% number, the highlight of their day is going home. <laughs> it's a sad statement. Nothing wrong with going home. But if you constantly are looking forward to leaving, mm -hmm. you go home, you walk in your front door, and your spouse says to you, how was your day, dear? If you give a good answer, the rest of the night is going to focus on your kids. If you throw up on your spouse, you just ruin the night. Yeah. And this yeah. is a reality. You know, it's really, I'm so fortunate to have never been in a situation where I didn't like my job. Yeah. But when employees are treated well, and here's one of the key elements, personal development. Mm-hmm. If I came to you and I said, uh, if you were, you started at UPS and and uh, you got off on a really good start, good training, so you're comfortable that you could succeed in your job, and I came to you and I said, uh, Vicky, what, where do you see yourself in three to five years? The first time I asked the question, it could be the first time you ever had the question. Mm -hmm. And you may give me the deer in the headlights result. That's okay. I'll just simply say, Vicki, let's get together in a couple of weeks at this same time on this date. And I'd love to hear the answer to that question. Now, what have I just done? I have shown interest in them as an individual. Mm -hmm. And they can say, oh, my God, my boss just wanted to know what I wanted to do in three to five years. And that goes a long ways because it does not only does it does it uh, impact the immediate moment. But when people are onboarded and trained and taken through their life cycle, if reviews were held based on the timing of the previous review, when you can include this conversation on a repetitive basis, the employee's gonna, you can, you can help an employee grow individually at the same time you're developing the person for the business. Yeah. I've done it for 45 years. It's not a conflict. Too many people view this as a conflict. It's not. No. no. And you know, and, and that's I was just gonna say that I mean, we're both examples of that. Yeah. So I'm I was I love my job. I love my job. I love what I do. It's my passion. It's you know the the, the perfect day for me, to be honest with you. I go to some 10,000 10, seat uh, arena yeah. and talk about what we've been talking about. And the people walk out of there with an inspiration yeah. because they're hearing something they've never heard before. Mm. And normally when you talk about this, if you all, if you constantly remind people, put yourself in their shoes, that's exactly put right. Yourself in your employee's shoes you'll find that everything that we say about inspiring people to develop, become, you know, develop as an individual, the management person saying that 
wants the exact same thing. Yeah. No in doubt. My, in my leadership, I, I teach leading with the heart, the head and the hands. Yes. And in, in one of my uh, sessions that I do uh, as a lunch and learn kind of quick, but it's the activity walk in a person's in, in another's shoes. And it yes. is so eye-opening when mm-hmm. you have the folks do that. Um, it, it And you just have to, uh, our people need to be understood, need to be related to. Whenever you have somebody that you'd have that discussion of three to five years, it, it made me remember one of my folks and they were very skilled. They had a, a great heart. And every time my bosses said, well, let's just try to promote her. And she always said no. And so finally, I and she was very private, not somebody that was openly sharing about her life. And so we just had the heart to heart kind of at a certain point, she got to trust me enough And I found out that she had issues with her son who was high school age and was having difficulties. And she knew from being exposed to all the other managers and that her life would become more focused on work and not as much on home. And she knew her priority was her son. Yep. Several years later, her son's good. He's gone to college. Oh, good. We That's asked awesome. again, and she became a manager and did awesome and retired. But a lot of people would just discount her as having an attitude yeah. or, you know, d- doesn't have what it takes because they didn't get to know her. Right. And I think that's what managers, when you talk about leading, is a leader knows their people, allows them to express themselves and and be themselves authentically, good, bad, or ugly, and works around it. And it's not just one size fits all. Right. You know, there's um, there's another benefit that comes out of having a good relationship with your with your team. Mm-hmm. You've heard the phrase, I'm sure, perceptions reality until proven otherwise. Yes. Well, when you have a good relationship with your with your team, mm-hmm. they will be much more it'll be much more likely that they would actually tell you if they perceive that I'm doing something wrong yeah. or they're misunderstanding what I'm saying and I have been saved more than once yeah. by the fact that one of my employees will come and tell me that either ask me a question or just say something uh, particularly if it's something that looks like it's just not me or they perce- mm-hmm. they misperceive what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, relationships generate a lot of communication. Yeah. And can save a lot of ills as well. Yeah. The other thing that, you know, in, uh, that I teach when I te- talk about leadership, I also do public speaking. And the reason I think that leaders can be great leaders too is how they communicate and the tone that they use. And I can tell you, I'm sure you've been experienced of this, the tone of a a person telling you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, um, can make all the difference whether or not that person walks away feeling worth anything or feeling that they are really important to that and take that, uh, that advice. And, and 
also feel like, well, maybe if I did it a little different, it's still going to be okay if I end results the same, rather than, oh God, if I don't do it exactly like, and it's not perfect, I'm going to get in trouble and written up and all those things. It's it's amazing how communication um, sometimes is not really taught well in the management piece either. No, it's not. It, that's it's interesting you brought that up because when I came out of UPS and went into the coaching world, I knew UPS. Needless to say, right? In fact, it went so well for me that I I here's a, this is kind of a naive statement on my part, right? I said I don't, I never understood how anybody could have a problem leading people because for me it was easy. Mm-hmm. Until when I came out of UPS, I had a study done to tell me the lay of the land everywhere else. Yeah. And the results of the study explained why people struggle with management jobs. Mm-hmm. Because they're perceived as being ineffective. Yeah. Can't communicate. Don't train well, which is a crazy statement considering what our job is. Yes. Poor follow-up. Don't solve problems very well. And 65% of those folks would rather be working for somebody else. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Who I don't and, want the hassle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Wow. Well, we could probably uh, chat all day long on this. Um, probably. Um, but one last thing before we move into the, the slides. What do you think you, where do you think your business will be in three to five years? Three to five years. Well, if it goes the way I want it to go. Yes, sir. And you have to take this for what it's worth. Yes. My, our objective is to be well-known for leading people in the right direction. Yeah. And that when we put the message out there, it'll fall on enough hearts to where people will step up and want to want to engage. I am also expecting that I'm going to have to hire a lot of people because if it, if it spreads quickly, obviously we have to support the demand. Yeah. So yeah. that's a, that's, that's what I see. Yeah. I'm hoping that's for awesome. it and I see it as well. That's right. Well, you just manifest it, put it out there, make it happen. Awesome. If you all enjoyed this as much as I did and learning how you can be more engaging, how you can be a leader as opposed to managing just the people, you manage processes, you lead people, please uh, take a moment, get that pencil paper. I'm going to share my uh, screen with a slide that has Steve's information that you can take a screenshot if you are watching. But if you are just listening, I will give you that website information early. So Steve's website is https www.flow-business-solution.com. Again, flow-business-solution.com. On Facebook, you can find him at Stephen, that's S-T-E-V-E-N dot Turner dot 3701. LinkedIn is S-W Turner YouTube, you can find him at Steve Turner 327. That's capital S, capital T, Steve Turner 327. And I'll let Steve talk to you about his call to action, what you can find when you go to the website, or what are some of those things you can find on YouTube? Steve? Well, let's start there at YouTube. 
there are a number of playlists there that talk about business and leading people from different directions. Nice. One of them is a, there's a series on, on biblical fireside chats. It's called ah. biblical business fireside chats. And it brings a, uh, it, it brings another avenue of uh, why people react to what they react to. That's uh, was fun putting together. Yeah. Uh, we have a series there on the employee leadership series, which walks through a number of the principles. Nice. Uh, what else have I got there? Those are the two main things. Perfect. And then um, on LinkedIn, there are a number of Stephen Turner's on LinkedIn. So you have to go to SW Turner. That's it. You'll find the right. You'll find find me then. Um, on our uh, website, up at the top of the uh, of the opening screen, there's a link up there for a video that introduces our audio training series that's available. And this audio training series is a really good thing for individuals that want to learn some leadership skills. It's a great way for a small, medium-sized business leader to get valuable information at a, uh, a reasonable price, really. And plus, it includes some time with me. So, nice. you know, we have a conversation and, you know, let the facts land where they are to help you get started. Awesome. All right. Again, that website is flow-business-solutions.com and YouTube, Steve Turner 327, a capital S, capital T. The good thing is when you uh, do go to either my YouTube channel or the findyourleadershipconfidence.com, you will see a picture of Steve. That always helps you find him too. <laughs> so make sure yeah. you got the right Steve. Steve, so great chatting with you, uh, fellow. Yeah, it was fun. UPS alumni and yeah. uh, sorry, our past didn't cross. I, I, I'm sure you no, um, one of my mentors actually was Frank Erberg. I worked for him oh, from 91 absolutely. to, to, <laughs> sure. um, to 93 when he wrote my application to become a supervisor and had me sign it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so at that time, I was uh, still in Europe. Yeah. I came back were... to the U.S. in uh, 94. Yeah. So and uh, went to technology. That... So were you were in, in, in Atlanta? I was the whole time. So, but yeah. I, I worked for uh, Angelo Sampona and yep. Dudley um, Land in the creation. Yep. Uh, the reason I, I got promoted, Frank yep. was starting a new segment that was um, going to change UPS, which it did. So, I was involved with the creation of the the newer dyad that um, led to okay. where we are today with the dyad. And so, I worked with that team. I worked with the UPS shipping system, which originally was called Magellan and then became the, yep. the UPS wow. system that we have Names, today. Phrases I haven't heard for a while. Yeah. And um, I was involved with creation of the barcoding uh, website, the locator that we know today. I actually trained barcoding in uh, Mexico and Puerto Rico and in throughout the U.S. I was the person who was the product owner of the uh, shipping system that was Teleship. Uh, yep. And uh, so very, and then the UPS store, uh, I helped launch it in Canada and then the US. So um, very extensive career in IT uh, project management, as well as business. And 
again, exposed me to a lot of different ways to do business right. And also, as you said, things to not do as a leader. So, uh, but one, one of the last things that happened to me at UPS was, uh, believe it or not, uh, one, one morning I woke up and an idea came to my head. And it was to, to change the way revenue was recorded and managed, the data itself. So I got in the office, I wrote it down, I showed it to the guy I was reporting to at that time. And um, then I took the early retirement. Oh. A while later, I reached out to the office for whatever the reason I remember. And uh, one of the guys that used to report to me told me, he says, I don't know if you heard about this, but you know that revenue model that you created? I said, yeah, <laughs> it's in test. Nice. That makes you feel yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what happened thereafter, but, yeah. uh, but uh, so it was my, uh, my last, the last thing I did there before I uh, mm -hmm. left. One of the things that I, I always wish they would bring back. And to me, it would have helped with the engagement piece. And that is the core keeping our reputation for excellence. And my team that created the database that became the locator that we won gold that year for that um, project. So awesome. A, so, so when project. was your last year there? 2018. What, 18, yeah. okay. Yeah. So I assume that the employee relations index was continued to be done every year? It was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. Horrible. Yeah, it was, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. So, and, uh, um, yes, but, you know, I, I think... Now I was brought back 2019 or 2020 through 21, uh, whenever the, uh, I got no 21, I'm sorry. I was brought back 21 to 22, uh, for a special project that's several years in, in the making. And, um, it, it again is going to be changing UPS, but, um, so many, so many young people. And all I could think is God, you need people like you and I, because there's no mentors that have been there long enough to give them insights and guidance. And so I'm involved with still four, four Toastmasters groups at UPS okay. and, and I provide mentoring that way, kind of side door. <laughs> so, but the reason I asked about the ERI was, mm -hmm. uh, this is just a fact. My scores were always higher than anybody else's. Oh, yeah. I believe that. I believe that. And now, here's the real crazy thing. Nobody asked me how I ever did it. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I have to tell you that I thought about this in my last year there. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't have known how to answer the question at that point. If someone said, why are your scores so much higher? All I could say was, I just treat people the way I want to be treated. Exactly. And that's all I would have said because yep. I, you know, I never really diagnosed it too much. Um, but, but, but truly that's what it is Yeah. that, you know, they, they say it's the golden rule or the platinum rule, you know, treat them right. better than you. And, yep. and why not? I mean, you, you, you just need to really want to go to do your job and, but you have to feel that you're, 
what you do is part of an important part of the this whole sure. service and things. You you have to understand that. And and if your manager is not connecting the dots for you, you should ask someone. You, you know, you mentioned the, the platinum rule. Um, I had somebody kind of, uh, I don't want to say this, threw that back at me one time. This wasn't too long ago, actually, because I re referenced the golden rule. He says, well, what about the platinum rule? And to be honest with you, I hadn't heard of it. Oh. So he told me what it was and that treating people the way they want to be treated mm -hmm. as opposed to the way I like to be treated. When you have relationships with people, good ones, you learn the way they like to be treated. Yeah. It happens by default. Yeah. 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 And you do Good it stuff. naturally, authentically. I right. hated after the ERI, and, and I'm sure other companies might have experienced this where th they might have got a low rating on trust or um, how my manager treated me or whatever. And the managers all of a sudden would start walking around, which we were taught by Jim Casey years and years and years ago that you yeah, should walk yeah. around. But you walked around because you were wanting to know about your people you wanted you got to yeah. know them you know the 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 jim casey having the little cards that he kept in his lapel yep. Yep. you know but when you had somebody that you knew they were just trying to put on a show for you and then there really wasn't a lot of care or understanding about this that it was almost a burden that they okay well it's time for me to do my walk around now. Yeah. <laughs> like, well that's um mbwa yeah management Manage by walking by around walking around mm -hmm. it's effective yeah. yeah well so great i will let you go but as always i remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you it is to enjoy the yeah. ride this is Absolutely. vicky nethling signing off thank you good time yeah thank you for tuning into the find your leadership confidence podcast with vicky nethling where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.